Proteus Leadership proudly presents the Let's Go, Let's Grow podcast with Des Penny, founder of Proteus Leadership. Hi everyone, welcome to the Let's Go, Let's Grow podcast. I'm Des Penny and today I want to talk about the frustration of change. That's right, the frustration, not the joy. Now immediately you might think that I'm against change or don't like it. Well, nothing can be further from the truth. In fact, it's not the change that frustrates me, but rather how organisations and individuals approach change, often missing out on the benefits that change can bring. We know that change will happen with or without us, and we can choose to be a part of it or not. But most change occurs out of frustration and dissatisfaction. So on this podcast today, I want to encourage you to get more frustrated and become more dissatisfied. So let me tell you right up front what my frustrations are. Firstly, my frustration comes from the knowledge that organisations and individuals could achieve so much more, and yet they choose for all the wrong reasons not to, and they take the easy way out. Why? My second frustration comes from constantly fighting bureaucracy that portrays itself as wanting to change and achieve results and then does everything it can to slow it down and block its progress. It's actually called planned procrastination. My next frustration comes from watching people that because of their own fears, cynicism and lack of progressive spirit actually stop others from achieving and enjoying what change can bring. Then I become frustrated from an increased level of entitlement that's crept into our society that only will support change if it impacts or supports them personally. Self-entitlement and procrastination are the two things that will destroy positive change in any situation. And my final frustration comes from people being put down because they tried something and when it didn't go to plan, they allow their spirit of discovery to be crushed. So as you can see, my frustration is not about the actual change or in fact that there's too much change, rather that we allow the thinking around change to stop us from taking those magical first steps towards it. So when you are considering change, always remember, change is where opportunity is born and where great decisions are made. For those who know me and have been following me over the years, you'll understand that I get pretty passionate about things I truly believe in. And sometimes that can both inspire and other times it can upset. And I don't expect this podcast will be any different because we all have strong opinions, especially about change. But there are usually three types of people that come to the fore when we talk about change. Those who will embrace and grow with the change, those who fight everything that's said and done, for obvious reasons, and then there are those who are just indifferent and will leave it to everyone else. In many ways, they're actually the biggest blockers So before we can see effective change take place in our lives, we need to know where we fit. But here's one thing I do know about change, and that is that every one of us must develop skills and models of behaviour to cope and succeed with the unprecedented change happening all around us, or we will become and remain frustrated, cynical 
and critical. In this podcast, I want to share with you three change models I created to ensure that we firstly address change in our lives and know where we stand and then give it the best chance of success. I actually created these three models to assist me in adapting to my own change rather than fighting and becoming cynical and missing out on all the possibilities that change was offering me. The first model is what I call the thought change model. And this model asks us to flip our thinking regarding change. Because unless we flip our thinking about change, then we might actually become the reason it doesn't succeed. And I don't think any of us wants that. So let me ask you a question that I've had to ask myself. Do you change your thinking by changing your environment? Or do you change your environment by changing your thinking? Because this is where choice comes in. Let me repeat that. Do you change your thinking by changing your environment? Or do you actually change your environment by changing your thinking? It's like people making a sea change, thinking that they can escape their challenges, rather than making what I call a me change first and dealing with the core issues. Change works best when we understand and get our why in order first. Only then will that inner fight stop. I think that sometimes we spend so much time trying to change the process or forcing people into change that we miss the benefits of change itself. And guess what? Some people will never be a part of the change, no matter what you say or do. And you heard it here first. Leave them behind. Otherwise, they become an anchor and no ship sails with its anchor down. Can we really do that, I hear you say? Of course we can. In fact, we must. Otherwise, we allow the space for change to be sabotaged. Mahatma Gandhi said, we must become the change we wish to see. But what did he really mean by that? Well, what he meant was, that this is a lifetime activity, a process that starts with the way we think and ends in decision and action until it becomes a part of this. So to help that happen, let's look at our first model, the thought change model. And this model looks at four simple change components, how we think, how we speak, how we act and who we become. The first one is how we think. For successful change to occur, we must open our minds up and allow it the time to play with possibility. Because we cannot have sustainable change unless we are prepared to change the way we think. But changing how we think is not just about having lots of ideas. It's about knowing why we are thinking something and and discovering how we can commit to it. And to do that, we need to examine our thinking fallback position. Do we immediately go to a negative defensive place or do we approach situations with an open mind looking at the possibilities that are in front of us? Because that's what change will bring if we let it. Remember, unless we've taken the time to know how we think and are prepared to change our thinking, then what we are really saying is, I can't do this. I don't have the ability, I have low self-esteem and I'm not going to try anything unless you make it easy for me. 
Well, that's not how positive change works. If we're not prepared to put the work in to change the way we think, then we will live a life of justification, excuse and blame, which eventually will result in low self-esteem and constant negativity. Do you know anyone like that? I'm sure you do. Let's make sure it's not us. When people fight change all of the time, it's not about the change. Remember, it's about them. And I'm not saying that we have to agree with all change. Of course not. But we do have to examine our thinking and be prepared to give change a chance or have a solid reason for it not being right for you. But don't let fear or cynicism control your thought processes. The second part of the model is we then need to speak about it. It's now time to put it out there and give it some legs. So we don't wait until our plan is complete or perfect because it never will be. And that's how change works. Every part of the change process requires us to make further changes. And so it's never perfect and never complete. In other words, we must start speaking it into existence. We can't say to ourselves, I'll just wait and see what happens, nor can we have a bet each way. If we can't speak about how it will be, then we don't believe in it enough, and if we don't believe in it enough, then we will limit its chance of success. So start to speak about it, and watch your belief and your confidence in your idea grow. Or you could in fact realise that this is not a good idea and move in another direction, and that's okay. Well, guess what? It's now time to act. Step three is exactly that, action. Nothing happens until we take action. So if you believe in it, do something, anything. Because as the author of the book Flip, Peter Sheehan says, action precedes clarity. Nothing will ever be clear until we actually do something. So start to act as if it's already happened. You'll be amazed at the momentum your idea will build. And step four in this model is we must become the change. As Gandhi said, we must become what we are prepared to think, speak and act. It must now become a part of who we are and become a part of our DNA. And this may all feel a bit unnatural and uncomfortable at first, but if we adopt this thought change model, we understand that things will never be perfect, that it is a process and a checklist that ensures we give change the best chance to succeed. So this is exactly what Gandhi meant. We must think, speak and act until we become a part of the change. The second change model that I've developed, I've called the action change model. And there are seven steps to this model that again ask us to go through a process to give change a chance. Because sustainable change is not based on a whim, but rather a designed pro, uh, process. The action change model commences with the concept that the majority of change we experience in our lives will come from dissatisfaction. So step number one is actually that, dissatisfaction. But dissatisfaction is not always a negative thing. In fact, it can be the very emotion that motivates us to seek change in the first place. 
But it's important to understand that there are two types of dissatisfaction we'll experience, and we must understand where our dissatisfaction is coming from. The first type is when something is just not acceptable, or we don't like it, and if not changed, will be detrimental to a situation. The second type of dissatisfaction is when something is actually working, but we become dissatisfied because we know it could be a lot better and far more effective if we developed it further. Both types of dissatisfaction should drive us towards a desire for change, and that's what step number two is called, a desire for change. However, they will require very different motivations and commitment. So step number one is to understand and deal with our satisfaction. And step number two is to develop a desire for change. You know, it's great to be dissatisfied because it increases our desire to things, see things actually change. Otherwise, we become bitter and cynical and things only get worse. And if you do not have a desire for change, then you can't go any further using this model because change without desire is destined to fail. So ask yourself this question when considering change. Do I really have a desire for change? Or is it just change for change's sake? So if we have the desire, we now need to go to the next step, and that is to get knowledge and skills to lead that change. So step number three is gaining new knowledge and skills. If we are to truly embrace that change, then we must redevelop areas of our life. Sorry to say this, but there are no shortcuts to sustainable change. We must grow with it. And this is the main reason why people don't support change, because they realise that they will have to make changes in themselves. And that can be very uncomfortable and annoying at best to many people. But you cannot make significant change and yet, unless you're prepared to work on your strengths and weaknesses and fill your gaps. Otherwise, you're trying to do new things with old equipment and that just simply doesn't work. So before you put yourself through a world of pain and or growth, ask yourself, how much do I really desire this change? Because if you don't, it will end in tears. Step number four is implementation. If you understand your dissatisfaction and where it comes from and you have a desire for change and then gain new knowledge and skills, it's now time for action. If not, everything you've done up until now has been a waste of time. So what's your strategy? Because nothing will change unless you do something. Just like we said in the thought change model, Action precedes clarity, not the other way around. So it's time to act or implement or try out the change. Remember though, change does not work in logical order. It's fluid. And one change will bring about many others. So be flexible. Be prepared to pivot because change equals change. A quote I often use to keep myself in track is this. You don't know what you don't know. But the excitement is in taking a step towards it and watching the path open up in front of you. So step number five is hard work. And this is where the rubber really hits the road and we realise that no matter how strong our desire is, hard work is now required. 
Now the thinking, planning and dreaming will have to take a lesser role because it's time for some hard work. And this is where we'll discover how real our commitment to the change actually is. It's also when we discover whether the change is a good idea or whether it's just a whim or a distraction. So how do we decide on the next step in the change process when things do get hard? Well, I believe there are three pathways that are presented to us at this stage and we'll be asked to make a decision on which one we will follow. So step number six is what I call the paths of progress. And as I already said, there are three paths that we can choose from. Pathway number one says this to us, it's just too hard, let's give in. And this is when we realise that we just don't have the energy or a real desire to see this thing through. It sounded great, but the task is now overwhelming and even though the idea itself might be a good one, we're simply not prepared to commit ourselves to it and so we quit. This path is unfortunately a path that is well trodden because it's often the easy way out. Unfortunately though, it is also well known for stunting people's growth and enthusiasm because it leads us back to where we started, frustrated and cynical and not happy with the situation. Remember, once you've entertained an idea that is good and for all the wrong reasons you give up, then you will not go back to where you started, but in fact several steps further back from there and will be hesitant to ever try again. Pathway number two tells us this, it's not right for us, and so we strategically quit. One of the most powerful of leadership skills is the power of strategic quitting, where we make informed decisions not to proceed with something, but instead choose to take another path And this is a great skill to master. If everything we've done leads us to this path, then that's great as long as our change journey doesn't stop there. Strategic quitting simply makes room for the next opportunity. Yes, it will still be hard work, but it's paying off. And this is where we begin to see real change happen. And pathway number three yells out to us, it's working. So let's push through and make it a success. Little by little, we have small wins that encourage us to continue developing our knowledge and skills and seeing the change through. And we have to decide which path we will take. Step number seven in this model brings us all the way back to celebration or frustration. You see... Whatever path we choose, it will always lead us back to dissatisfaction in some form. Either a dissatisfaction because we gave up or a dissatisfaction because we see its potential to make it even better. Because change never stops, it builds on itself and asks us questions we need to constantly answer. It's so important that we understand these three pathways and remember that the choice of the path we choose is our choice. Let me give you an example of when I started Proteus all those years ago. I actually used this model and created it at that time and 
I can remember I sat in my well-paid, high-profile job, frustrated by bureaucracy and indifference, and I knew that if I continued in this situation that I'd become a part of the problem. And this is where my dissatisfaction was created. But I did have a desire for change. I understood that there had to be a better way and I wanted to help find it or create it for myself and also for others. But to do that, it was very evident I had to gain new skills. I had to learn about business, about different industries. I went back to study and got my Master's in Business and Communication. I got other qualifications. I spoke to people and learned what not to do because there is no easy way. But then it was time to implement it. I left my job and I started Proteus as a company. And I've got to tell you, it's one of the scariest things I've ever done. I took the first step. But then guess what? It became hard work. The dream and the vision sort of got, I guess, crowded over with this hard work thing I'm talking about. And I ask myself the question often, why am I doing this for goodness sake? And I almost closed the business many, many times. I had no clients or credibility, no money. It was just hard work. And that is what is still required today, even with all of our technology and resources and staff and clients that we had. And then I had to choose a path. And I chose path three because little things started to work. For instance, just running a program, I saw changes in people's lives and the way that they then went on and led. And it didn't all happen immediately. They were just little changes that gave me the confidence to say, you know what, you're on the right path here. Keep pushing. And as I did that and began to grow the business, I moved to celebration and I stand here today many years later celebrating a company that has now worked with thousands of leaders right across Australia. But guess what? I'm constantly returning to dissatisfaction. But it's a very different dissatisfaction. It's now based on achievement. It's looking at what we've done and being dissatisfied because we could do even better. And guess what? Once you think that way, then the process completely commences again. And over the years, as a result of this model, I've had to, I guess, see my own tipping point move considerably. And the purpose behind the action change model is to help us to move our psychological tipping point so that the process flows and becomes a part of us, and we become the change we wish to see. Our tipping point is the point where we will not move past, where we quit or we give up. And some people are right back at step one. They're dissatisfied but can't even move to desire. Others have a desire but are not prepared to do the work to gain new skills and knowledge and so on through the seven steps. And the goal is to get to the point where we can move through all of the steps seamlessly, even when we get to its hard work. We still have the ability to choose our path of progress and continue to move toward 
celebration and then on to positive distraction again. And this is when we become the change we wish to see. Do you know where your tipping point is? And the tipping point of your team and your organisation? And are you prepared to work on moving it forward? Remember though, if you are trying to get your team on board with a change, that they will all be at a different place with a different tipping point. So I'll finish my Frustration of Change podcast with this third change model that I've called the Innovation Change Model. This model is a very simple process that helps us to have prior knowledge of whether or not our idea will even work. It consists of four measures. Like it, love it, live it and let it go. So the first measure, like it, we have to ask ourselves, do I even like this idea? Or can I grow to like it? Because if you don't like the idea, then it has little chance of success. So we need to entertain the idea, flesh it out, play with it, let it grow inside of you until you like it or completely dismiss it. But don't dismiss things too quickly. The second measure is to love it. If you can't learn to love it, then don't move forward. Love is not perfect, but if, if it's something we think is worth working on and making better, then we can learn to love it. Because this is when we establish an emotional attachment and we move it from our head to our heart. Thirdly, we must then begin to live it. And this is when we make things happen by inspiring people by what we do, not just by what we say. We let it become a part of us as if it was already fully realised. And then finally, we need to let it go. You know, this has been my biggest revelation about sustainable change. We cannot smother the idea. Eventually, we must let it go and let it live its own life. We do not own it. We were just given the privilege of giving it life. And when we smother something, we do not allow it to reach its full potential. So build in your letting go strategy right at the beginning of the change process. Because sustainable change must be bigger than us, even if we are the ones who brought it to life. Remember, the idea and outcome are not ours to own, but to share and to pass on. So there you have it, my three change models that helped me build sustainable change in my life and my business. And I hope they also help you. So in conclusion, I'm not asking you to make wholesale changes across every area of your life because some things are working well. But I am asking that we are honest with ourselves and recognise and act upon our dissatisfaction and give change a chance. Why would we ever choose to listen to or be influenced by miserable, cynical people? We are better than that. And change will happen with or without us. So stop the struggle and enjoy the journey. You've been listening to the Let's Go, Let's Grow podcast. I'm Des Penny, thanking you for listening. And I encourage you to sign up on your favourite podcast platform so that you can enjoy further episodes as they drop. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to leave a review on your chosen podcast app.